Hi folks, it's your host W. Curtis Preston and I wanted to give you some great news. Druva liked my latest O'Reilly book enough to sponsor it and you can get a free copy by just going to druva.com slash podcast. Hope you like it. This week on No Hardware Required, we're talking about Microsoft 365 best practices. My guests this week are Vanessa Tovez and Stephen Manley, our CTO. Hi, and welcome to Druva's No Hardware Required podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Presson, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. We have, of course, my uh, co-host, Stephen Manley, our CTO. Welcome. I'm super excited. I get to learn today. Do you? I'm pretty sure, given uh, given that Vanessa knows way more than uh, the rest of us. Yeah, definitely, learning. definitely. So, and then we also have uh, Vanessa Tovez, our Microsoft 365 solution architect. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you guys for having me. So this is your second time on our podcast. And um, we started asking questions about Microsoft 365. And I was like, you know what? We should just, we just turn this into another podcast. So let's start with the, the good old basic question of what do people use Microsoft 365 for? That's a great question. So beyond the license for, you know, your office and what everyone uses it for first and foremost, I think is exchange, right? My Outlook email. When you're with a company or, you know, most companies actually start with the document repository and that's where SharePoint has lived, right? Everyone knows or thinks SharePoint's used as a document repository. That's usually the first step uh, beyond email. And it's true. I mean, like I came to a point, you know, when people would say, you know, talk about that as a document repository, I'd be like, no, you can do so much more. But that's really the reality of it is they invest, um, they move off their file shares and go into OneDrive or SharePoint to hold their files. Right? So, so quick question for you on that. Sorry to jump in so quickly, but as, as an old, old NAS person, What's the advantage of putting my files in SharePoint versus NAS? Because NAS is pretty awesome. So what is SharePoint buying me? Uh, I think accessibility anywhere. That's the number one thing. You know, 365, you can access it on any device. So I could be on my phone. I don't have to be on a VPN to get to my file share. Uh, that's, the, the I think, first and foremost, that's what I think about Um but then beyond that, it's what you can do with those files. So when you put something in a file share, it's there, it's in a folder. But when you put something in SharePoint, you can execute a, a business process around it. Uh, you can secure it differently. You can share it out with a third-party vendor a lot easier. My summary is it's NAS versus SAS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but okay, that 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 totally makes sense actually, and I and, and I do get that. It, it, then then in terms of so so you said I could you could do businesses business processes around it. What's an example of that? What what does that what does that mean? Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. That's a good one. Um, how long will it be? I have a bet. How long will it be before Vanessa says Power BI? I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Power BI. I love Power BI. I'm so happy about Power. Like the first part of my career in technology, uh, you know, I I wrote reports. Right, I did a lot of reports, crystal reports, and uh, so the minute I jumped to Microsoft's platform. You know, I was, it, it just got better and better. And it just so happy with power. I BI. remember crystal reports. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, I'll 
migrated something like 1,400 reports from Crystal to SSRS, right, SQL Server Reporting Services. So you learn a lot about the tool, right? Um, <laughs> okay, so the question you asked was, you know, the business process. Well, uh, a file, let's just say it's a document. I'll just do a, a statement of work as an example. Mm-hmm. So I'm a consulting company. I've got all these statements of work. Um, I want it to run through a process. I want to work on that as an individual. And then I want it to go to my manager for approval. They want to, I want to make sure before I send that out. And during that whole time, that might take me two weeks to work on this file I might update some properties about it so that my manager knows exactly what's in that file. So in my SharePoint library, I have this very smart library of contract, right? Statements of work. So the process is I work on it. I send it to my manager. My manager says that looks great. And I get an approval on that. And then I can generate a a PDF and I can actually share that out with the customer. That's a very simple, small process, um, but you can do that. You know, you think about all of the processes that, the things that you repeat, right? The what are the most painful processes that you have to do over and over every day, and that's what people look to SharePoint, especially SharePoint, right? To implement, they take this manual process and automate it so that there's nothing that's missed or skipped. So if I had a bunch of uh, SOWs that had, and these were based on, let's say, Excel, and all these spreadsheets were stored in, um, you know, uh, SharePoint, somewhere I could make a web page that shows me, and, you know, you talked about that status uh, field. I could have a web page that sort of summarizes all of the status fields. Like oh, yeah, a, absolutely. I'm sort of graph. That's a great segue for me to talk about power, the value of like Power BI. You know what? You are so welcome. Yeah. (laughs) So here's the thing about business processes is that companies require visibility, right? When, when they make an investment to actually go down the path to automate a process, they want visibility to what's in there, right? To that process. So for, as an example, I'll use a different one other than statements of work. So if I have a knowledge base and my knowledge base, I've got all these help articles on my product, and it follows this process of, you know, approval, uh, maybe two approvals in there. I want to actually visualize all of the content I have in there. How many are open? How many are in this stage? How many were created by this person? You know, uh, and how many are in draft? How many were accessed? Like all of the stats that you would normally put together in a spreadsheet, you have and companies will either hook up their hook up their uh, right this this uh, knowledge base to Power BI and make these amazing visuals, <laughs> um, but it's also dependent, right? It points back to the library and it says, oh, there's a column in there called stage. Stage one is stage. You know, you've got like five stages of everything. You've got right. I've received it. I've it's in progress. It's in review. Uh, it's out for approval, whatever those are, it's completed. And that's what companies do. They, ma- they invest in the, the replacement of a manual process, then they uh, automate it, they visualize it. And if you, you know, we'll, we'll talk about like what happens when something is removed from that library. 
right? If someone deletes a column in there, not only is that process kind of broken in uh, what I'm doing, but it's also broken in my visualization. Mm-hmm. So to be able to recover those pieces, like it comes down, there's, if you go to any big bank, any bank, community bank, large large bank, every single one of those banking institutions, universities, they have done this. It's so easy to create a column to talk about your status. I mean, like it really is easy to create that column. Um, And with 365, they've made it more visual even more so. So people are doing it more. Take that, uh, NetApp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I will, I will concede that there are, it sounds as if there are some things you could do with SharePoint and SharePoint Online that you probably can't do uh, with a NAS filer. On the other hand, so, so NAS filers, we have snapshots and, and backups. So what are your best practices on SharePoint? Again, good segue, Stephen. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm just trying. I'm trying to fight for some dignity here. I, I gotta have something. <laughs> Who do you work for? Yeah. <laughs> I work for our customers. <laughs> That's right. oh, nice. nice. You get to play the devil. You want to play the devil's advocate? You know, the point in time when you know, if I delete something in in the world of uh, SharePoint, yeah, I have I have. You know, on the UI, I can maybe go to the recycle bin and get that, uh, get that file, get that item, get that library. But it's really in between where um, the issues that occur that sometimes it's stuff in there, right? Someone deleted a view or they deleted, uh, you know, like they deleted a view that was hooked to my Excel that gave me my report. They deleted a column that was also hooked to my to my process. If open, if closed, do this. If Northern California, then make the approval this person. All right, so it disrupts the business process. So I think that's where, hmm. um, you know, Microsoft, as, as much as I, I love this platform, there's a lot of those scenarios, real world scenarios that there's no point of recovery. Interesting. And, and so to some extent, then I think what I hear you saying, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I really am learning on the fly here, is that, is that, look, SharePoint holds data, let's say file servers, databases, NAS systems, they, you know, we all hold data. And we're reasonably good at sort of holding the data. As SharePoint enables you to do more, uh, and, and involves sort of these connections, this metadata, these processes. That's often the thing that's more exposed, and 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 that's that's the part that maybe isn't as sort of natively protected. Did I get that right, or am I miss missing? No, I think that's that's right on. Uh, that's it's when you get it is, you know, when companies make that investment to. Um, incorporate or solve the business problem, right? That's one of the things that we talk about when we're implementing, you know, when I'm doing discovery with SharePoint is tell me about your business problems. I, not, not where the files are stored. I, most users really don't care where something is. Yeah. They just need access to it and they need to do X. Um, so when you start using the tools of, of 365 and especially using them together you make them dependent on one another and when you take out one piece of it 
and you disrupt the process. I think that was a very long yes. Yeah. 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 No, which, I'm wordy. Which is, no, <laughs> hey, this is, I, again, especially with these these new tools, right? I, I, I want to make sure, again, I'm going to guess a lot of the listeners are in the same position I am, which is, oh, and and so, yeah, I, I appreciate the specificity and, and I love the examples because it makes it more concrete for and me. I, and I think another way to put what you said, Stephen, so, you know, you, you were saying that basically the more the, the, the more fancy stuff you do in SharePoint, the more likely you are to have these things that aren't protected. I would add to that the more important SharePoint becomes to you. Right. The, the, yeah. the fancier you get, the you know, so 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 basically the the more you're doing with SharePoint, the more third party backup uh, becomes important. Again, great segue. Well, and you have to the the other thing around that is if you're lucky, if a company is lucky enough to have a dedicated admin like myself or an architect to come in, I might know about what's happening. But it's these, you know, it's the ones where I have no idea that someone literally went in and customized their library to tailor it to a process. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that it's a it's a one to many, right? There there could be hundreds of processes that were created because they hired someone who had had experience from their old company and they just went in and did it. And that's the thing is like not having visibility or not even visibility, but you don't know what's out there. You don't know the, the details of what people are using uh, the SharePoint for in your environment. Um, and that also can be right somewhat risky when you can't restore some of these things. You're like, oh, I didn't even know you, di- you, <laughs> you guys did this. That happens. That happens a lot. All right, so so that that triggers a question for me. Just uh, one that's 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 struck me as fascinating from the beginning. So, so a lot of people listening to this this podcast uh, have some sort of backup backup background. Maybe they're a little bit of a cloud admin. That that's usually the target audience. Who who are the people that are running, say, SharePoint Online, Exchange Online? Uh, where would I, where would I find them? How, and, and then, and then as a backup person, how do I convince them? How do I, what's your recommendation for how to make that connection? Because as a backup person, I always worry that you know, if something goes wrong, someone's going to come and hold me accountable and yell at me. And I'm going to look at them and say, I didn't even know we were doing that. So how, how, how can you build that relationship? Because you've been on that side where you've been setting these systems up. What's your recommendation for some of the people listening of how they can start to, to reach out inside their organization? And just to make it clear, we're talking like, um, we're talking like talking to a person that works at a company, like who's, or am so, I targeting this response to? So, so I'm thinking of it literally as uh, let, let's say I work at First National Bank in Texas, and and their backup maybe their backup person is listening to this and going, "Holy crap! I probably need to figure out this SharePoint thing." How do they go find who runs SharePoint, and how do they talk to them to sort of convince them that hey, you need backup, right? Because because the backup guy may may be on our side now, but we need that backup guy to then go convince the SharePoint person. That 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 work needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And I would I would definitely start. You'd have to you'd have to try and figure out who was responsible for right the 365 platform. So typically it's technology, 
but even in there, the direction I would go is, can you look at the statistics of SharePoint over time? Um, as a good example, if you rolled out an intranet and today, right, uh, six months ago, um, maybe I had a, a homepage that people would land on and there were 60 people that came to that. <laughs> 60 people over the last 90 days. Every day they just show up there. There's nothing on there. But then all of a sudden there's this, this spike and that spike went up to, you know, 1,200 people. Now there's a new intranet homepage and there's an architecture and there's all these there's all this content out there so i would look at the statistics the analytics for 365 because that's where you can see where activity is happening mm, i like that all right that's a, the first thing that i would do what about um looking at help desk tickets that are associated with oh, microsoft yeah, absolutely. 365 yeah i think that's good i mean the more use there is absolutely then the more Honestly, the more tickets you will have, because um, whether it's access, right, or it's uh, things that are, I did this, I don't know what I did, right? So you'll find that there's definitely um, within an organization a, a good pool of 365 tickets that are in there. So I think it all comes down to, um, you know, the analytics that we're, you know, that you're trying to gain. But I would probably start to say, where are people using it? Um, and you can kind of glean that on, you know, the on uh, using the 365 analytics. Makes sense. Uh, is there, in, in your opinion, uh, again, is there a type of company that is more likely right now to be using, uh, again, say a SharePoint online, again, for more than just the document repository, right? Doing more of these ad advanced things. Is there, are there vertical sizes of companies? Have you seen any trends or patterns across the industry or is it still kind of, hey, someone someone who knows this stuff or gets into it is the one that's setting it up and, and it's kind of random or? What, no, I think it's, that's a great question. I think that's, um, the reality is now that I think it's almost any size company. Um, you know, I, I look at like, I'll use my sister, my sister's company. She's a hard cider company in Auburn, California. It's called Common Cider. They were five people when they, I, you know, I took them to 365 years ago. And I've helped her do things over time, right, just to keep her, uh, keep things maintained for her and built out an intranet and, you know. But then uh, I think I remember last year someone called and said, hey, I can't get this I used to get this form uh, and the results in my email. I set this thing up and I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you guys were actually uh, tailoring it or doing anything. I'm like, so one, all size companies, because it's become really easy to do certain things, it's easy to create a form and it's easy to create a flow. Uh, so, um, but the bigger the company, right, the, and especially the ones that have come over and have migrated from on-prem, they're across industry. Mm -hmm. uh, they could be a 500, you know, they could have maybe had a SharePoint server and they moved because they wanted to take advantage of 365 and they moved and, uh, you know, they have their whole collaboration process in there. I don't know, something like that. But honestly, it's now it's because it's so easy, almost companies of every size can immediately go make these customizations and use the other apps. That's so why I love Microsoft. Why I love 365. 
So basically, what you're saying is there's this been in, there's there's been this enormous shift in the industry that people like me just totally missed. <laughs> yes. It, cool. and, and, it happens, Stephen. It happens. Yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me is that people aren't still buying storage tech tape libraries. That's... <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And that's really like this is one of the things you know. Luckily for me. I think I've been lucky to have the experience I did with SharePoint and its prior versions on-prem because companies made that investment back then, right? When you're on-prem, even now, there's still companies that still use SharePoint, right? Mm On-prem. They have backups for for their servers. They have VMs. They've got their databases. All of these things, they back it up. And it was so surprising to me. Um, the more and more I interacted with different companies, literally just how like hands up. All right. Well, I think Microsoft's doing good. Yeah. I, and I just I, like that shift to the cloud to sat to, to 365. It was it's just surprising how some companies just are like, oh, I think I'll just wait till next year. To wait till next year to do what? Maybe look at a backup. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. They've definitely had a huge, the, the, the ramp up of Microsoft 365 customers is huge. And I think COVID actually increased that ramp up. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. But it is fascinating that, like you said, on-premises SharePoint, the hygiene around backup was was pretty clean. Whereas in cloud, it feels like we're, it's almost like we're reminding people they need to floss. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's just, it's just that the cloud people just think that everything's everything's just taken care of right and it's like the thing is it's like it's like when we first started getting raid for those of us that remember when they first started getting raid it made disks so much more reliable and there were people that started to say phrases like i don't think we need to back up anymore Right. It's like, well, you do realize that if you drop a database table, the RAID just, you know, makes it faster. <laughs> right. Um, so this is really. I, and so maybe maybe at some point there will be a, a shift backwards to some sort of, uh, you know, we, we, we just need more events like the KPMG event where they, you know, managed to delete 145,000 users' private chats in a single click of a button. There will be more events like that. And and eventually, I think maybe the world will return to sanity. But in the meantime, we're going to wrap up this podcast. I'm glad that we could uh, have you on again, Vanessa. Absolutely. Thank you. I, lo- I love uh, educating. And I love learning. Well, we, <laughs> we need to be educated. So... So thanks for that. And uh, with that, I'm going to bring this episode of Druva's No Hardware Required to a close. And make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And remember here at Druva, there's always no hardware required.